Hello. If you had money in a gravity wallet provided by the London company Bitstocks, you would have had a shock in February to get an email telling you that your account would be closing and that you had until March the 11th to transfer your money out of it. Then on March the 10th, there was another email saying that Gravity Money had been given a license by the Bank of Lithuania and would be opening there. Well, it's obviously been a busy time for Bitstocks and in particular for its founder and CEO, Michael Hudson. So I'm very grateful that Michael has made time to explain what's been happening. So welcome to the show, Michael. Hey, Charles. Pleasure to speak to you again. Thank you. You're listening to CoinGeek Conversations with Charles Miller. Well, um, your email back in February told us a bit about what was going on. I'm just going to quote this because it's a quick way of giving a bit of background. Uh, We were recently advised that our application for permanent registration with the UK regulator, that's the Financial Conduct Authority, the FCA, stood a minimal chance of being approved. And rather than risk a refused application, we decided to withdraw it and address what's needed to secure a successful UK application in the future. So, that all sounds rather traumatic. What what was the advice that you actually got about this application that you had in with the FCA? It was pretty traumatic. I can't say absolutely unexpected, uh, just due to the rumours and murmurs uh, that we were hearing about um, where the FCA was going with the crypto industry as a whole in the UK. Uh, but we were still very confident. Uh, so it still was quite a blow and quite a shock uh, for us that this happened. Uh, back end of last year, uh, just leading up before the Christmas break, that we caught wind of this news. And the uh, FCA made it very clear um, in the discussions with them that it will be advantageous for us to withdraw our application as it stood a, a, a low likelihood of being approved. So it's, actually, it's rather odd that it was actually them who told you, you might as well forget it. Yeah, and if you do a bit of research in the crypto scenario and situation in the UK, uh, many firms have received a very similar message. Uh, in fact, well in excess of 90% of applicants have received a quite similar message. Why don't they just review the application and then turn it down if they don't like it? Great question, Charles. Great, there's going to be many. There's probably, with good sound logic uh, reasoning, there's probably be questions where I'm going to be like, yeah, Charles, that's a great question. I agree with that question. <laughs> Uh, but ultimately, we filed our application two years ago uh, with the regulator. Sorry, like proactive, and we have been very proactive. I want to be an exemplary example. Um, and like I said, we're very confident. But many things have changed as far as the FCA is concerned in that two-year process. Um, and what they require is for uh, everything to be on your application at point of submission. Even if something new comes up that was not even possible to be your application at point of submission, you still somehow by a miracle needed to have it at a point of submission. Well, so the problem was that it was kind of out of date then. Uh, yeah. and um, Which is really their fault if they're so slow about processing it. Well, I'm going to definitely ride the coattails of your uh, enthusiasm behind the energy of what you just said there. Uh, I'm very much in resonance. But at the same time, I try to not take it too personally. Um, it is unfortunate that we just got brushed with the same brush as everyone everyone else in the space, irrespective of our approach. And I guess the FCA as a regulator is just too inundated and busy to actually look at applications based on their individual merit uh, with more with more detail. That just makes it very difficult for firms to get clarity. And this has been a situation in UK for quite some time. 
So I've actually spent some time over the years trying to lobby and actually spoke at the Houses of Parliament doing exactly this to have clear, stable frameworks out of the gray area. So we have some whites and some blacks that entrepreneurs can actually work towards. So we've always been very proactive, but ultimately I see this as a missed opportunity for the UK FCA. It's not just because gravity uh, is now making plans and has made plans and situated outside of the uh, UK. Um, it's, it's many actors that could get pushed out. Right, but did you have to register? Was that something that you decided to do or was that just part of, a, was that a requirement? It's a requirement. Um, so if we wasn't even on the temporary register, uh, we wouldn't have been able to operate the gravity services for the duration that we did operate the gravity services. So uh, we was on a temporary register and also as a EMD agent of modular finance. So modular finance, they provide the back-end infrastructure to companies like Revolut, uh, et cetera. Um, they are regulated by the UK FCA. Uh, we sit underneath effectively their umbrella uh, and we're sitting underneath their umbrella, leveraging off their license and their uh, direct license with the FCA. So it allowed us to conduct e-money uh, business within the UK while pending for our own direct application. This also made us subject to audits by this company, by Modular Finance, of which we always, uh, of course, passed and have continued our relationship. We are even continuing our relationship with them after the fact of exit in the UK as well. So we have a great relationship with, with Modular and continue to be audited uh, by them. Um, and it's just unfortunate what's happened in the UK and the fact that we've got caught up in it. Um, but we had a good idea of what we would do should that scenario present itself. And that's exactly what we've executed now with Gravity Money Lithuania. So how did Lithuania come about then? Well, the great thing is, is they're very structured and very clear about the processes in order to acquire uh, a company and in order to be authorized. They went through a similar process, I guess, to what the FCA has taken now, where they kind of like washed off their books, created their frameworks, and then allowed companies to resubmit. They've done it earlier. They have a much more efficient uh, process. Um, and also the legal uh, framework is a lot clearer. Uh, it's just it's just been a great experience working with the Lithuanians uh, in order to be uh, incorporated and based uh, out of there for the gravity money services. So we're now expanding our team uh, and getting boots on the ground, more boots on the ground in, in, in Lithuania. Uh, and I can see that being a, a good longstanding relationship and a lot more of our what would otherwise have been regulated activities happening in the UK will now be being based out of Lithuania via Gravity Money. Well, I saw that your documents give an address in Lithuania, and thanks to Google Street View, I was able to see that it's a rather charming little street off the old town of Vilnius. It looked like a lovely place to visit, but I'm rather surprised to hear that you that it's more than just sort of the equivalent of a PO box. You're actually going to have people working there, are you? Yeah, I mean, that's not necessarily always linked to an address. I mean, right now in the UK, um, since the pandemic, we've really settled into a hybrid work scenario where a lot of people are working from home. You yourself, I imagine you're working from home right now. I'm working That's from right. home right now. Um, and this is going to be the philosophy of the business and just expanding that across jurisdictions. Um, so these are the good things that we banked through the pandemic of really being able to like grow as a business, branch out in terms of jurisdictions, um, and really just tap into more talent pools around the world. So is it bad news for your London staff at all, or are you able to just keep them on and keep going? Uh, no, because we've got different uh, facets to the business uh, and how people are ultimately hired. Um, so no, it, it, it doesn't affect 
many of our London team, if at all. Uh, we're still rocking and rolling and we're still building with a, a metaverse-like philosophy to us, right? So where I envision our HQ, our real HQ was always going to be in a metaverse. Um, right. So no, it, it doesn't impact our operation. The only thing I was worried about impacting uh, was the core service right now in BSV for fiat on ramps and on off ramps, right? We are the place to go to in terms of BSV. And the biggest fuel and motivation for me and my team uh, was the support we received from our customer base um, and also seeing how painstakingly clear it was that we provide a very vital service uh, to, to the BSV space. And that's why we fought so aggressively to ensure that that we managed to get the job done. I'll be honest, Charles, it, it was a nigh on impossible job to get done. And my team, as always, pulled through. The job of telling people to take their money out, I suppose. All of it, because that communication had to be signed off by the UK regulator. So all of our comms had to be signed off by the FCA. We have to uh, ensure that we are conducting ourselves, even though we don't agree with the decision, we still have to operate with maturity, respect, and conduct ourselves with honor. Um, and we had to stick very true to that communication that we signed off with the FCA. Um, of course, I made some hints and insinuations that, look, we are trying to work on some solutions, but I couldn't be more aggressive than I was of how viable those solutions were. They went through the email words, word for word, and said, you can say this or you can't say. It all had to be signed off uh, wow. by, by the FCA. Uh, and this is the regulated game, guys, really. Um, like we speak about it a lot. Uh, it's difficult. I'm not complaining. I'm not moaning. These are just the things that we have to get accustomed to in how we conduct ourselves as a business as we mature through the space. The one thing I'm not quite clear about is, um, as a former Gravity customer, uh, if I want to start again with the Lithuania Gravity money, it's now called, am I starting from scratch or am I just sort of transferring my details to the new entity? Yeah, your details are transferred uh, to the new entity. Uh, you're not starting from scratch. You still maintain your history of your account. Um, you just have to accept the new T's and C's and actually authorize for that to, to be the case. Um, what you find a very big difference is, is how we conduct ourselves in terms of uh, marketing uh, and presenting ourselves because um, there, are, there are definitely changes there. Um, so right now, as it stands, we're not accepting any new registrations on Gravity Money for the next 28 days as we just accommodate to this new restructured process. And we're only maintaining continuity with our existing client base. Um, and then we'll open up the doors again in, in 28 days. Right. But so, in fact, for your average existing customer, it's a little bit of a pain in the neck because you had to get all your money and put it somewhere else. But now you can bring it back. And actually, from now yeah. on, as far as I'm concerned, it's just a sort of bit of a legal change in the background. But business as usual, really. Yeah, it's a little bit of a pain in the neck, but it would have been a big problem if, if of course, we went completely offline and then the key component in the space is gone until someone fills that void. But it's a huge pain for me because I was very confident about a solution and I couldn't articulate that clearly uh, to, to our customer base throughout this period. Right. Yeah, I mean, it must have been incredibly upsetting to have this happen when you really have been so patient and so helpful to, to regulation in the UK. It's such a slap in the face, really, isn't it? I think that's a feeling that I've come accustomed to in a variety of different areas, Charles. Uh, <laughs> so it, it's just part of business. That's the way that mm. I'm taking it. Uh, and I'll be a fool if I didn't learn from it. 
uh, and bank and actually bank it as wisdom and then conduct myself in a new attuned way as a result of it. So like with everything, we just take it on the chin, uh, we learn from it and we just become better uh, and we just plough forward. But as somebody who lives and works in Britain, you are effectively now working for an overseas company. Is that right? Not necessarily directly. There's many, like I said, there's many aspects uh, to Bitstocks Limited and our corporate structuring. And also myself as an individual, um, I can have and will have free reign on how I want to conduct myself and where it is that I want to situate myself. So maybe one day I might live in Dubai. Does that mean I stop becoming a Bitstock CEO? No, it just means my right. affairs need to match the jurisdiction in which it is that I am based. One of the things that you've said about gravity, um, the sort of philosophy behind it, is that it's designed to be tackling the ingrained problems with our current financial systems. Well, it seems to me you've you've rather exposed one of them in this in this experience. I mean, you know, if if you can't get registered in this area, I don't know who can really. Yeah, I mean, it's tough, uh, but we've got to look at the like angles as to why it's becoming tough right now. Um, I think the space is very much getting prepared and cleaned up for the central bank digital currency initiatives. Right. So is that is that sort of uh, good news or bad news for you? Do you think is that is that sort of coming in and shoving people like you out of the way? Inevitable news, uh, which is why, if I'm being quite frank, a little bit disappointed there has to be more support about getting a BSV based solution in the banking system uh, from some other actors in the BSV space. Uh, because I do think it's really important. And I also feel like I'm actually the only one trying to address having a seat uh, in, in this new transition table uh, from a banking standpoint. Because if I can say quite boldly, I actually think this is Craig's only real challenge. It's not COPA. It's not Mark Zuckerberg. It's not Jack Dorsey. They're fodder. It's the central bank digital currencies taking the invention that he birthed and gifted to this world now creating central bank digital currencies that are programmable money that has an expiration date. That's the world that is being prepped because of Satoshi Nakamoto's technology. Um, so do we say, oh, it's inevitable and we quit? Or do we say we still need to have relevance in that world if even the worst case scenario happens, Charles? Um, and I think that's the most important thing that needs to be spoken about in terms of where this space, by this space, I mean BSV, is really actually going. Um, because it's not these fights that we think we're fighting. That's the fight, Charles. What about the possibility of CBDCs being built on the BSV blockchain? That would be a big positive, I think. They're not going to do that. I, why would they do that? To start off with, why would they do that? Like no one's going to, like Craig can't have answered, why are they going to do that? If they, if they have, uh, they just want to create a settlement layer between respective parties. They will go the proof of stake route. What's the downside to proof of stake? right? Um, economic might is vote, it's gamification, like <laughs> political wet dream. For the banks, why do they have a problem with that? They can get regulated. They're going to have the space in order to be regulated to run that system. Ethereum and other actors can't run that system with proof of stake. They're going to have an issue of regulation. But why would the banks have an issue of regulation running the proof of stake system? Why would they run the Bitcoin network? That's not our play. We need to ensure that they don't make the Bitcoin network illegal and just leave that network to themselves. That's what we need to defend. And that's what Craig's responsibility is to defend, that Bitcoin isn't just tarnished by the green counterculture to then regulate our variant, the public variant out of 
out of existence due to green environmental issues. And this is why I strongly advocate at source being the top miners in the BSV space to offset their emissions at source to prevent this attack vector, right? So that's how I see it. Uh, and that's how I see it playing out. I mean, it sounds like you're pretty pessimistic about BSV as a sort of form of money that's actually going to be used in its own right then. I'm pessimistic about BSV as a brand in order to convey their message clearly enough to highlight the USPs. Um, so, so that's where my concern is. But the mm. fight in terms of the legal battles and if IP and patents mean anything, it's actually to have an influence in that situation. You mean the power of um, all the patents that Enchain is acquiring could be brought to bear on um, what banks or central banks are planning to do with CBDCs? Yeah, because the way that I see it is everyone's in the, in the kitchen, everyone's trying to be a chef, cooking up a dish, and Craig's strategy is his patent a lot of ingredients. So if the banks want to spit out an omelette and someone else wants to spit out poached eggs, Craig should still have an influence in that conversation, right? So I hope that's the case. I really hope that's the case. And to what extent is that influence? Hopefully, at least to the level where uh, we're not going to be viciously attacked on the public side, but to ensure that we are not attacked when these points happen, we need to be carbon zero and we need to have economic value dependent on our infrastructure that's actually the same economic value that's lobbying the, the political interest. Right. So if we start getting Walmart, um, Tesco's, we start getting Nike, we start getting uh, big airlines, we start getting big, big, huge brands dependent on this infrastructure, then there is a real commercial reason why they will lobby for this infrastructure and not lobby against this infrastructure. But what would be what would be the pitch to Tesco, for instance? What would you want to see them doing? <laughs> well, <laughs> The whole point of this technology is that it enables authenticity, right? It's a truth ledger, okay? So can Tesco's benefit from having supply chain management via a truth ledger? I believe so. Is Tesco, uh, is it cost effective for Tesco to do so? Well, based on their knowledge, no. Based on BSV, yes. But are they aware of the benefits of BSV? Okay, how do we get in a door? I show them that it's uh, cheap and reliably cheap, right? That means that they can guarantee their customer experience. The second thing I show them that it's a zero dependency environment. So you don't have no dependencies on my infrastructure. It's actually be run at the base layer by the actual mining system itself. And then the sweet cherry on the top that will actually garner uh, the only kickback they can give you, which is the CO2 angle. And then if you make it carbon zero uh, to boot as well, not only do I have the cost, I have the dependencies, and I also have the carbon neutrality or the carbon zero. Carbon zero would mean... Um, offsetting by miners, which would mean they'd have to put transaction fees up, I suppose. Uh, it's negligible. Um, and it's definitely, definitely worthwhile um, them looking into that as, as, as a model. It's negligible. And the net benefits that we all get is we have political robustness. Mm -hmm. Definitely, yeah. Well, the other side that you just alluded to earlier on about the various things that Bitstocks is involved with, of course, is the development of an NFT exchange. Um, and that, that's still going ahead, presumably, as it was. Yeah, naturally delayed because of uh, this FCA stuff. So I say probably delayed by about two to month, two months to three months. Uh, we definitely plan on getting it out in Q2. I, I remember you talking about this several months ago 
are you as bullish about the potential of NFTs as you as you were a few months back? Um, I'm more bullish than you could possibly imagine, more than I could possibly state and tip off publicly. Uh, hyper, hyper bullish. The NFT exchange and our metaverse products serves as a retail uh, example of our underlying operating system and philosophy. I think uh, what Satoshi done is he gave the world a computer. Uh, what I want to do with Gravity is give them Windows. You mean Windows, the uh, the operating system? Operating system. So we can communicate with it easier, just allow people to create, build, and earn easier, allow everyone to be part of a smart contract because it's freaking cool. And you're, uh, you're, you're not part of the cool uh, group if you're not part of a smart contract. Not how we've interacted with smart contracts today. I mean, actually, everyone wanting to be a part of a smart contract. What's going to be the sort of bread and butter use of an NFT? What's, what's the simplest and likely to be the most popular sort of example you could give of a mass NFT product? Uh, I love what it can do for music and what it can do for fashion. Uh, these are really, really simple examples. Uh, fashion is just a no-brainer. If you could create a token, uh, a, a penny, a token, um, you pitch corporates very differently. Um, uh, so that I see as being really going mainstream is getting into supply chains and uh, supply chain management. Uh, and then you've got the the exciting component everyone's into right now, the speculative side, which is mm. cool. But I see that's more as marketing to highlight the underlying technology. So that what your, your sort of model of an NFT is um, inform immutable information that gives you all the sort of background on a product and the authenticity of it. Genuinely, the way that I see it, Charles, is you can't fit it in one box because our technology is too powerful to fit it in one box. So the way that I see it is I'm giving you a Rubik's Cube. However you want to spin it up, it's up to you. But I'm pretty confident whatever orientation you, you finalize on, we can do it. So it's based on the limitations of the of the individual, how they want to utilize the technology. As long as the cost is so reliably cheap, to unlock the boundless possibilities. And when you say give it, when you say give it to me, that is what the uh, the your NFT exchange will sort of be a platform. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now there is going to be um, a bit of a walled garden to start off with with the NFT exchange. Um, so we're going to start with like we're going to start with curated drops where, with respective talent that we're speaking with and engaging with, um, and then really work towards opening it up to everyone. Um, to be able to have sellers' accounts and propose uh, offerings. So I'm really excited about what NFT Exchange does for the whole Gravity ecosystem because there's three components to the Gravity ecosystem. There's Gravity Money, we're speaking now about the NFT Exchange, and there's one more component uh, that we'll be releasing with the NFT Exchange uh, as, as well. That Top really, secret, Phil. Yeah, that really just brings everything together. So yeah, it's been, a, it's been a stressful first quarter to the year, Charles, but um, we've got the momentum in ourselves and my team does nothing but continue keep fighting and winning uh, irrespective of what challenges get put our way. And we're a small team, Charles, we're only like 20 people. Well, yeah, I mean, I would like to pay tribute to some of your support people because when I've got confused or screwed up with my Gravity account, I've received very pleasant and helpful and, and yeah, efficient me. service. So uh, I yeah, give you five stars for that, I must say. <laughs> Do it officially on App Store and everywhere. Officially, five stars. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been terrific talking to you, Michael. Thank you so much for oh, spending yeah. the time on this. And um, really good luck. And, uh, you know, let's, let's, do the next, let's do the next interview in Vilnius because it looks really nice. 
Totally. Uh, appreciate it. All the best, Charles. Thank you. Take Thank care. you very much, Michael. Bye now. Very many thanks to Michael Hudson. And I look forward to reinstating my Gravity account and thinking of it as being connected in some mystical way with that little street in Vilnius. Next week, I'll be hearing about the London BSV incubator Satoshi Block Dojo from its COO, Osmin Callis. So please join me and Osmin then. But for now, thanks for listening and goodbye.